Hello, everyone. Welcome to the TF Blockchain Podcast, where we interview blockchain and digital currency innovators building our distributed future. I'm your host and founder of TF Blockchain, Jonathan G. Blanco. TF Blockchain hosts premier conferences, events, and media featuring blockchain leaders actively growing the industry. With our platform, we are connecting business and technology executives with blockchain innovators leading the charge. Through our interactive speaker presentations, facilitated networking sessions, and our video and podcast series. Before we get started, wanted to tell you about our consulting arm, TF Agency, where we work with blockchain companies, companies looking to adopt the technology, entrepreneurs and investors looking to understand the space, and with those looking to grow their career in this emerging industry. For more information, please email us at info at tfagency.io. This episode is a live recording from our TF Blockchain Austin chapter held on June 20th, 2019, where I interview Mance Harmon, CEO and co-founder of Hedera Hashgraph, a decentralized public network using distributed ledger technology so that startups and enterprises are able to develop fast, fair, and secure applications. In this episode, Mance and I discuss how Hedera Hashgraph was started, his history with his co-founder Lehman Baird, how enterprises will adopt blockchain, his thoughts on the recent Facebook Libra announcement, how there are some similarities to what Hedera has already done, and the announcements made earlier that day about Hedera's consensus services. I really enjoyed my conversation with Mance, and we had a great interactive discussion at our most recent TF Blockchain Austin. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as our Austin community. Make sure to follow all future live recordings at tfblock.io. All right. All right. Well, uh, everybody, thank you so much for being here today in Austin. And uh, we're really excited to welcome Mance, the CEO and co-founder of Hedera Hashgraph. Uh, Thank you for coming down here from Dallas. Uh, Please introduce yourself to everybody. Uh, Thank you. Well, I'm Mance Harmon. I'm the co-founder, as already mentioned, of Hedera Hashgraph. My co-founder is is Lehman Baird. He's not with me here tonight, but uh, Lehman and I have been doing this since... 2015 now, and actually he he started working on this back in 2012 on the algorithm Hashgraph, and uh, had a breakthrough in 2015, and that's that's when we started the company. Awesome, awesome. So f- just for cl- uh, clarity, um, so when he was working on it, it was the Hashgraph as like a protocol, right? And then turning that into a company is yeah. the Hedera part. Well, so. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Okay. Yeah. So he started in 2012 trying to just solve a general problem of how to uh, have strong or secure distributed consensus that's highly performant at the same time. And he wanted to maximize both dimensions. And he, he worked on that for three years. And then in 2015, he sort of cracked the nut, so to speak. He solved the problem. We started a company, it's called Swirls, and Swirls focused on private or permission networks for a couple of years, just building out that initial code base and developing the, the theory alongside of it. And then in 2017, we came to the point where we could begin to sort of explore the creation of what today we're now calling Hedera Hashgraph. And Hedera is separate from Swirls and is focused on taking to market this global public network that's built on the Hashgraph algorithm. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So um, explain for, for those that might not be familiar what Hedera Hashgraph is or what, what makes it different uh, from, from how you're thinking about blockchain, distributed ledger, so forth. Yeah, so uh, from a protocol perspective, Hashgraph, like I said, it, it sort of maximizes security and performance at the same time. There's always been this trade-off between the two. You can have better performance in a private network or, or better security in a public network with, at the expense of several, several things. And uh, Hashgraph achieves something called asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerance, which simply is the theoretical limit of what can be achieved for the category of distributed consensus. In terms of security, ABFT is the best you can achieve. At the same time, it it optimizes bandwidth usage. And that in turn turns into fantastic performance in terms of transactions per second. Right. Yep. And and so it seems like who Hedera might be targeting as a customer base would be different than some of the other, other chains. Well, so Hedera, 
uh, is focused on building an enterprise grade public distributed ledger. Correct. And when I say that, I mean, people will think about enterprise use cases. We certainly think about enterprise use cases. But the reality is that if it's good enough for mission critical applications, all the better for those that aren't. Yeah. And so we we uh, we're focused both on on the DAP or startup community, while at the same time, um, really giving emphasis to the enterprise community as well. And that plays out in the whole structure of the organization and and our governance model and, you know, just whole range of decisions. Uh, uh, are, are dependent upon on our vision for what a public distributed ledger will look like that uh, eventually goes mainstream. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that people often talk about, or, or I feel like I hear a lot when you think about enterprise, is this um, lack of desire to be public, right? Like they, they might want a private chain or, um, you know, they don't want their their data available regardless if it's cryptographically yeah. secured. So, um, you know, how are you getting past that on the public side? Yeah, so it's a great question. This was uh, not a setup, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> but this is something that we just announced today. Yeah, and when he says it's not a setup, just just so you know, I, I even told Mance this ahead of time. Um, I, I purposely did not send Mance any questions, and that's how we handle a lot of our, our conversations is because we want to make sure this is as real of a conversation as possible. So, yeah, Mance yeah. and I did not have any talk about what we were going to discuss. So, right. yeah, I'm excited to hear it. Well, so the interesting, if you look at private networks, one of the attractive features is that they're private and that, um, y- you know, the data is not out there for public consumption. Um, the other attractive feature or another attractive feature is that you can have dedicated resources for an application, a single application. And so you can scale it in ways that would be difficult to scale in a public network. Now, the public network, by contrast, uh, is often more trustworthy because you have far more nodes and the nodes are typically run by different entities. It's not all the same people running the nodes and you know, in a private network, it could be four nodes versus yeah. a thousand in a public network, right. et cetera. So you have a better trust model in the public network. Um, but the downside of the public network is that if you're running smart contracts, for example, and you're an application using that public network, you're sharing the resources of the nodes in the network. You know, every node in the network is running every smart contract for every app. Well, that's that's and it's expensive. So how do you sort of get the best of both is the question, right? You want the trust of a public network, but at the same time, you like the idea of having dedicated servers for running the business logic and storing the information and providing privacy. For sure. For sure. I mean, that's that's the ideal, right? right? Yeah. And so what we announced today uh, with a, a live stream and a white paper is a new service. The market's not seen it before. We call it the Hedera Consensus Service. And basically, we've exposed the Hashgraph algorithm transaction ordering directly to the, the developer community. And what this makes it possible to do is exactly what I just described. You can take a centralized application Mm -hmm. running on a server and that server is fully dedicated to that application and have it calling our consensus service, passing the transactions, or maybe you have clients like, uh, let's say it's, just take an example. Let's say that it's a a stock exchange or a matching platform for a stock exchange. And you have client software on phones making trades. Well, those phones call our consensus ordering service. The ordering service puts all of those transactions into consensus order and then streams it to a a mirror node, a read-only node of our network where the matching platform sits. And then the matching platform uses that. It does the matching and presents the results to the clients. So we've, we've, we've taken the trust of a public network and we've made it possible for private applications running on dedicated service uh, servers where they can protect privacy and co-op that trust yeah. from the public network. 
And we announced this today with, uh, with IBM. And, and the reason IBM was there as part of this is that when you, when you think about what I just described, you can now envision how you take fabric you know, from Hyperledger, yeah. Hyperledger Fabric, and run fabric applications that use the Hedera consensus service for their transaction ordering. And you get the best of both worlds. Got it. So it sounds like it's, it's just all about making calls, right? You know, right? Kind of like kind of like an API call. It's an API call. Yeah. Oh, it's, okay. It is a it, it, API it, call. Well, yeah, it is. Yeah. So when you call our network, Hedera, yeah. you know, there's a set of APIs. And in this case, you just make an API call. You, you pass it a transaction message. And uh, the network is receiving messages from, you know, lots of clients. Yeah. Takes all of those, puts them into a consensus order with a timestamp, a consensus timestamp, and streams those messages out in a trust, you know, in a in a a trusted stream to uh, to the applications, and they consume them, and and there you have it. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, who would be a good use case, or, or sorry, or what, what kind of industry would be a good use case for this? Yeah. Well, look, <laughs> the funny thing is the entire quote, blockchain market yeah. can take advantage of this. Right. Uh, what we're doing is simply making a fundamental improvement. I mean, you no longer have to have smart contracts yeah. where you're using Solidity or, you know, Move, you know, just we heard about from Facebook this week yeah. or, or whatever. You don't have to be constrained in that way. You, you, you have your favorite development environment today you're building on. Just use it. Yeah. Run it on your computer. Yeah. And then make API calls. It's that simple. And um, now I'm, I'm oversimplifying a little bit. <laughs> There's some more complexity to it. <laughs> but everybody that is in the space of distributed consensus can take advantage of this model that's previously not been available. Yeah. And so on the API calls, so it sounds like nothing would need to live on any sort of Hedera server. Exactly. That's the funny thing about it, right? So, because I've heard, I feel like I've heard of people attempting to do similar things, but then it's more of like a copy, and then it sits on a server. And right. So you, there's no Hedera server storing this data. No. Or like that. No. Well, so look, you, you have the messages that the application is generating, or uh, you know, again, we'll use the stock market example. I have my wallet on my phone, and I want to do a trade, and I create a transaction and I submit it to the Hedera uh, consensus service, um, I probably am just submitting a hash mm -hmm. of that trade. And maybe I'm encrypting that trade as well, potentially. Uh, there are multiple ways you could do this. And then that information gets put into to a consensus order and passed to the mirror node, the read-only node that's running alongside the platform, the matching platform. And so, um, no, there's nothing stored in plain text. Uh, and you can actually add some crypto tricks so that the, uh, even if it's encrypted, uh, it can be treated in such a way where it becomes impossible. It's basically ephemeral. The encryption piece of this oh, becomes ephemeral so that it, at no point is there any private information that's, that's uh, practically being passed through or, or at rest on the Hedera network. It's all, all the private information stays private on the private server. So what do you think your competitors say to this, right? So what, what would Ethereum, what would, uh, what would the Ethereum network or anybody that's about, about smart contracts say as a converse as to why this would not be a good idea? Or can they? Well, you know, probably not. Uh, I don't think that they would say it's a bad idea. I don't think anybody will say this is a bad idea. What I would say is that um, there are cases when you're going to want to have multiple instances. So again, back with the stock market or the matching platform example, maybe there'll be cases where you're going to want multiple instances of that matching platform running so that you can check the results from each instance. Yeah. Right. And so you, in some cases, you're going to stand up more nodes in this sort of app network, application network is what we're calling it. And that costs some money and there's some complexity. Fabric makes that easier. That's part of the reason for the relationship with Hyperledger. If, you're, if you don't want to go to that trouble and you're not going to be using a lot of smart contracts and so your cost is going to be pretty low, 
uh, and uh, you know you're not building a really complicated application or DAP. So it sounds you like maybe use smart contracts. Yeah, because things won't won't necessarily be getting written down every time, right? Yeah. So it's just the level of uh, it's it's going to boil down to is there enough performance in a public network using smart contracts? Do I care about privacy? And what's the cost going to be? And you know, based on this, th those set of answers, you may or may not want to go with our consensus service. In my opinion, uh, you can never have too much CPU, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you can never have too much storage. And if you're writing anything real, then um, having it run on a, a single server or a central server or an app network that's running these servers is going to be cheaper than executing the same thing on a public network that's running these smart contracts. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how would this be different than just doing a plain old side chain? So side chain, the trust is different. In side chains, what you have uh, is a group of people that are processing transactions among themselves and they have to trust each other. And so maybe you even use some consensus algorithm to up-level the trust in that side chain. And then occasionally the results of, that of those transactions get written, maybe a snapshot of the state gets written to a public chain for for posterity. Um, so in that model, you still have to have a side chain and you have to trust the members, maybe use consensus. And when you trust them, that means that two thirds of them have to be trustworthy. Yeah. In our case, um, there's no side chain. It's that we are doing the transaction ordering on the main network. And as long as a single node is trustworthy, in this app net that I'm describing, then you're safe, right? Anybody can run, uh, the, assuming anybody can run the application, or maybe there's an auditor that's running the application, but, but it only takes one honest person running the application and consuming that stream of transactions to check whether or not anybody else is lying about yeah. the transactions, you know, the, the, the validation of the transactions. And so it's a much better trust model. On, on the Hedera side, you have to have two thirds of the nodes be honest to have the trust. On the app network side, as long as a single member is, is honest, you're good. On a side chain, you have to have two networks that are both required, you know, in both cases require two thirds of, of the members to be honest. Yeah, and even still, there could be an issue with completing that, right? It, it, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's do a, a flashback real quick. Let's kind of if, if this was a movie, we're doing that flashback. How, how did Mance get started? How did you get started in just technology to begin with? Oh wow! So uh, I've been I've been programming uh, since I was in the in middle school, sixth grade. In fact, I don't think I've ever told this story publicly, um, but. <laughs> But you I heard it here. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> um, we had a, my mom. I wanted a computer, yeah. and and we didn't have a lot of money, and so my mom had a garage sale. We had a garage sale, and we raised a hundred bucks, and we went down to Walmart, and I bought my first computer, which was a TI ninety nine four A, Texas Instruments computer, uh, and that's where I learned to to code. I used to write in BASIC, and I remember my first modem. 2400 baud you know the, the old coupler we, we, we don't have phones like this anymore nor <laughs> modems right but uh so most of you probably don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> but um way back uh early modems uh you know you take your phone handset and push it down into this coupling device and uh and i've loved it ever since and so i've you know i've uh grown up uh you know Comp sci, a couple degrees in comp sci, always uh, wanted to be on the cutting edge. Started in machine learning, reinforcement learning, before anybody knew what reinforcement learning was back in the 90s. Wow. Uh, Lehman and I were doing research together in reinforcement learning back in the 90s. And uh, and by the way, we've we've been working together since since 93, since 1993. That's like the exact thing investors want to hear is like, how long have you known your co-founder? Forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, 25 years, it's longer than most marriages, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it's always been hard, hardcore tech. 
Uh, you know, and the funny thing is I knew from early in the 90s that I would never be Lehman's equal when it came to the technology. And so I decided to give up and focus on business. And of course, I've still been in the tech, but I've, I've, I've focused on learning how to take tech and and commercialize it and Make be able it to communicate it. To everybody. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and the, you know, the relationship is a great one. He solves really hard problems and builds fantastic uh, software and, and products. And I uh, try to take care of the other half of that business. Awesome, awesome. And then so, so with that, so you, you two have been together for a while in, in this tech space. Uh, what's your blockchain or crypto origin story? How, how did that come up about? Yeah, well, so it started off with just sort of a vision of Lehman's. You know, Lehman wanted to make it possible to for for us, you know, people, consumers, to 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 sort of reach out and take a slice of cyberspace and invite friends to participate, maybe business colleagues to participate in this virtual world and you know, work together and play together and exchange goods and services with one another without having to trust a third party with our privacy and our data or our money. Yeah. Right. How and, long have, had you guys, when were you, how long have you been talking about this? Or? Well, that started in 2012. Yeah. And, and back then he called it a distributed object store. This was, you know, a technical term yeah. to describe what he had envisioned in his, in his mind. You know, blockchain had nothing to do with this. Uh, certainly Bitcoin was around, but it didn't really inform his thinking when when deciding to pursue this. Uh, and um, and then he worked on it for years. I was in the world of identity, uh, working for a company as the head of uh, head of labs and architecture. And I started looking at Bitcoin and blockchain in 2014, just as are there identity applications and realized, no, not 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 really, not with the performance and the, the constraints of Bitcoin, but understood that what he was solving, you know, was, you know, enable identity applications, but way beyond that, right? It, you can actually realize the vision with Hashgraph. And, and that was it. We, he, he solved the problem. And I remember lots of evenings here in Austin, meeting with him at a Starbucks, just talking about the latest iteration going down the rabbit hole. I mean, there were probably a thousand of them until we got to the point where, where we figured it out. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So um, you're, you're up in Dallas and uh, so you, did you used to live here in Austin or? Uh, yeah, we actually lived in Cedar Park. Okay. Yeah, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what brought the company to, to Dallas or why Dallas? You know, it's funny. Uh, Austin was the longest I've ever lived in one place. Prior to that point, I'd never lived in one place for more than three or four years. So we we uh, ended up moving to College Station for family reasons and uh, decided, okay, it's it's time to. And that's where the company actually started. I think we actually founded the company in the fall of '15, and we were already in College Station at that point. We decided to move and. Uh, and considered, well, we've been to Austin for 10 years, haven't been to Dallas, <laughs> uh, but we wanted to stay in Texas. Yeah. And and yes, and there are family reasons as well for, yeah. for being up there. But, uh, you know, we we, we uh, decided to make that move and yeah. it's as simple as that. Cool. Yeah. So, so there's definitely some interesting companies here in, in Texas, um, you know, big companies like Dell started here um, and then a lot of, you know, Google and, and Facebook are, are here. Um, what are your thoughts about uh, just the state of Texas when it comes to blockchain and, and this really interesting technology? Well, look, we're doing everything we can to help make it a center of excellence, right? Um, and I, I, I know that there's a lot of activity in New York on the coasts and, you know, in some major cities internationally. Uh, but we... We also are excited by a lot of work that's going on here in, in Austin, uh, for sure. We've got partners here in Austin that we, we're now working with. And, um, and I love Texas, right? I'm a, I, I, I didn't grow up here, but I got here as soon as I could. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so we, we want to do what we can as a, a company. Yeah. To, um, 
and and we understand our our position uh, certainly in the Dallas market um, as as a company that's achieved this level of scale and funding and and so we are doing everything we can to foster that ecosystem awesome you know let, let's kind of move over to, to current events or the current state of things um, you know, we uh, we're kind of in the state right now where you know Bitcoin has gone up considerably and I don't want to get into the Bitcoin pricing side of things but more of um, what have you seen that do for the appetite towards you know, blockchain or towards either from an investment side or working with partners or even like the excitement in the room at Hedera. Yeah. Well, when we started, um, we, you know, we raised a lot of money. And as soon as that money came in, we converted it. It was maybe 50-50 fiat in Bitcoin. And as and soon what, as... What was the date? When was that again? This was in 20, starting r roughly Q1 of 18 last year through the middle of the summer. And uh, yeah, so, so over that period, we raised 124 million bucks. And as soon as it came in, we converted the Bitcoin to fiat because we knew there was a crypto winner coming. We always believed there would be a crypto winner. Yeah. And so we converted to fiat as soon as, we, as soon as it came in. And then winner hit and we said, hooray, right? because we thought that that would be a really good thing for the market and it would uh, reduce a lot of the fraud. It would weed out the junk projects, which it has done, and we knew there would be a spring. And, and so we didn't know how long winter would last. Um, and, and we've seen a change in attitudes now. Uh, you know, for the past couple of months, we've, we've felt spring coming on. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, you know, spring is, is now fully upon us and we're heading into summer. And I think Facebook, by the way, uh, helped solidify that yeah. this, with their announcement this week. And so we, we prepared ourselves, understanding there could be a long winter. So we weren't scared of it. We were, we were welcoming it and looking forward to making it through to the other side. Yeah, I find it interesting, too. I think about, you know, talking with people, investors and so forth. Um, actually, you know, when things were on the up cycle 2017 and there's just a lot of speculation, but then there's also a lot of just reservation, right? Like, oh, like, I don't know, like, this doesn't seem good. And then it goes up. It's like, well, maybe I'm too late. And then it crashes and then you get this kind of negativity. But what I find really interesting now is, is some of the traditional investors that I've been speaking to and, and people have stayed in the sidelines, you know, their, their ears are perking up a little bit, you know, they're like, oh, like tell me again about that blockchain thing you've been doing or tell me again about that. Yeah. Um, so, well, so I think that the industry will mainstream, go mainstream. Yeah. Uh, you see that, you know, even through crypto winter infrastructure kept being built. Right. Right. It, it, lots of investment kept happening. And, and I think that's, I, that's exactly what needed to happen. Right. Is, you know, there, there's obviously financial reasons as to why someone might care about the currency going up or down, but, you know, we're in this because we're bought into the technology piece, right? And exactly. so it just, yeah. No, I, so I, I think, yeah, I, I'm very optimistic about the industry. Uh, I think that we've made it through the worst and the real projects are, are still around. Some are gonna die off, Yeah. but there's a new beginning of a new level of maturity in the projects that acknowledges mainstream requirements for uh for using these platforms i'm talking about the protocols now yeah uh for using these platforms and 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 now there's an an increased focus on building solutions that take advantage of the platforms and the solutions that you know the the business buyer the the, the manager that's writing a check uh to purchase these solutions maybe doesn't even know that it's quote blockchain under the hood. Totally. It doesn't matter. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Back in, you know, pre 2017, you would hear a lot of companies or a lot of people say like, oh, I have this really interesting blockchain company and we're thinking about doing, I don't know, advertising technology or I have this really interesting blockchain company and we have real estate. And now it's the opposite. It's like, oh, I have this real estate tech company and we're leveraging blockchain technology. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and really the way it should be is it's, it's just a, a piece of the technology 
because you still need to have that whole front end experience that uh, is solving the customer pain point that what's under the hood, the user doesn't care about. Well, that's that's interesting. Right. So maybe there was no other way around this, but you have to build the bottom of the stack first. Yeah. Right. You have to build that infrastructure layer before you can think about building the SaaS layer. And, and you, you get the platform layer in between. You've got infrastructure that it are the is the plumbing yeah. of of the of the of the stack, and then you've got a platform layer that makes it easier for developers to build their applications. You know, realize their vision. That platform layer, the pass layer, the middle layer, is is now becoming a focus for the first time. And then on top of that, you have solutions. And some companies have just gone straight to vertically integrating. They build the SaaS layer and the needed middle layer components and take advantage of the, the, the bottom layer, that network layer. But you had to start at the bottom. Right. And we've now got the bottom layer and new you know versions of that coming out uh, this year and a focus on the middle layer and the solutions. So it's it, the industry is just beginning to mature. I totally agree. It's evolving. And, and you know, frankly, you're going to have things that might um, resemble blockchain or like take in blockchain elements, but might not really be blockchain. Right. And so that's, you know, you brought up Facebook a second ago. Um, you know, some people are making that argument that a Facebook is not a blockchain uh, or it's, it's not a true cryptocurrency. We don't necessarily have to get into that, but, or, or maybe we do, but, um, it's interesting because whether it is or it isn't, um, let's just go with the narrative that it isn't for a second. Right. But if the mainstream assumes it is, that only helps blockchain projects, right? Like that only helps like the narrative of what's going on. If it is, you know, all the better. Well, look, I think that what happened this week may be one of the most important events uh, ever in our category. I totally agree. Look, the, the, the addressable market just went up by a lot. Yeah. And, and we can thank Facebook for that. But what else happened is that, um, They've, they have, I'm going to, this is self-serving, yeah. but they validated our model, right? We, we have been building a governing council of global enterprises to be sort of the, uh, the, the council that manages or, or um, helps us manage the, the platform. And you've got to have somebody, something like that to bootstrap trust in a cryptocurrency or in a platform like this at all. And, uh, and now Facebook has done the same thing, right? They've announced their, uh, the, the Libra Alliance, which is, which is the same thing as our Hedera Governing Council. And, um, and so that's gratifying, right? That's for us, that's gratifying to see that validation from a, a global business like Facebook. And I think that the result of that is that the bar has just been raised. It's no longer enough to simply have a protocol in a community. Yeah, that's that's no longer going to be sufficient. You now have to have a protocol, a community, and you have to have a group of of nodes of validators that are well respected by the market to be honest and trustworthy. And um, and that's that's also part of this market maturing. Right. If you, if you want it to go mainstream, the main what, what's that even mean? Going mainstream means that businesses have to trust the governance of the network. Right. And that's what we're talking about here is that the model, our model for governance has uh, has now been validated by a company like Facebook. And um, and we're excited by that. Yeah, I think what happens in this Facebook scenario, too, is, um, you know, it, it was just what last year was it last year or the year before where the Cambridge Analytica stuff happened and the privacy happened. So there's definitely a big lack of trust going on. Yeah. Um, so I totally get that. I think the other thing also has to do with is, you know, when you think about how a lot how it's structured, it seems like it's going to be a little bit more centralized, right? This so for Facebook, yeah, there's some there's some serious and differences between that and a tradition. And, you know, you, yeah. pe- when people say like, oh, it, it's uh, you just can't compare it to Bitcoin, right? No, like not I, at all. I, I get I, I'm not, I, you know, when people say like, oh, it's it's going to displace Bitcoin or Bitcoin will still win out. The, my position, at least, is that 
I don't think Facebook cares about the crypto community personally. They just care about their network, right? Like, so like they don't need people who have Bitcoin wallets to adopt Libra. They just, right. they need people who have Facebook accounts to adopt Libra, right? Exactly. They, they, they don't. So and it, yeah. so it's, it's, it's good and bad. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly my point is that like, that doesn't mean it's good. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I think it's good per se. We, I, I was talking about this with someone earlier. I was like, you know, it, it, I think it's good. It's very good for Facebook, right? In the sense of like in-network currency and they get lots of data and and is that really good for all the the people? Uh, I don't I don't think it well, is. Well, only, <laughs> like, is only that if good Facebook for... wins, right? It, it's not good for all the. Okay, is this, I, I guess I can say this on the air. You can yeah, uh, whatever you want. A, but no, I I would <laughs> I would not think that it would be a good thing if Facebook wins. But there's no particular reason to believe that Facebook is going to win. Yeah, I and um, I mean they're big, right? They're big and they have a massive community, but. Um, it, they have a they have a, a large reputation as well, and their size, while it's their strength, it's also their weakness. Yeah, and they're going to be targeted, and they've got some serious problems with the way that they have structured some parts of this. They're going to have regulatory problems that we don't have, for example. Yeah, and um, what? But on the whole, this is part of mainstreaming the category, and I do believe that the result of this is that more money will flow in and companies that would never have seriously considered diving into this now yeah. will. I totally, I a thousand percent agree with that. So it's was, it was really funny. Um, my dad drove me to the airport when I came down here and uh, he's like, oh, so, uh, so yeah, I just found out Facebook did that Bitcoin thing that you're doing. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm yeah, like, exactly. My wife on the road down here was explaining to my mother-in-law they're now competing with Facebook. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And it was funny. Oh, when, no. <laughs> it was funny because when my dad said like that Bitcoin thing, I was like, well, first, dad, my, my, my company isn't in Bitcoin. It, you know, we, we do use blockchain. And like, it, it was just a really funny way to say it. it makes me think of a different conversation I had earlier in the week when I was talking with someone about a partnership and never once did I use the words Bitcoin. Like the word Bitcoin never came out of my mouth. And I was just talking about like how an in-network token works and like the benefits of having an in-network token. And um, like, I personally believe like in, in the future, um, it'll that's really what's going to win out is that you'll have like different retailers or different um, network or, uh, and platforms that they just have, have their independent token, right? So as we were talking about this, and um, anyways, later it turned out that they 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 didn't want to do the deal with me. And uh, what the response was like, yeah, you know, we like the conversation, but we're just not really all about this Bitcoin thing that you're talking about. And I was like, again, I never said the words Bitcoin. I understand. Um, so I, I love to kind of move a conversation there. Is is how do how do we how do we kind of unify that message or or make it more digestible for the broader market to understand that like you know there, there's a lot of differences in the. Um, and the protocols and the, and the, and the currencies and, and the use cases behind it. Cause you know, you're not going to use your Bitcoin the same way that you're going to use your Libra or, or any other, you know, uh, altcoin, right? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, when, when we're talking about a mass market, you know, mass consumer market, all that matters is the application and the user experience. Yeah. And the fact that it's built on, blockchain or distributed ledger technology is kind of incidental. It's almost like, quote, Intel inside. They don't care, right? What they care about is can they run their word processor on their computer? Yeah. And I think that that will be true here as well. Uh, and so while there, you know, there are each, each of the major protocol platforms, they do have to make design decisions. You know, how you use RAM uh, versus hard drive space for what services, et cetera. All of those have an implication on what use cases you can address. And so there, you know, there will be differences across the platforms uh, just because there are choices that have to be made for limited resources. But um, the, the mass market will realize new, you know, they'll have the opportunity to use applications that provide them new features that they didn't have before or security in a way they didn't have it before. And it will just become part of the, quote, Internet, you know, or the Web 3.0 or, or, or whatever. For yeah. sure. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not like, oh, you have this interesting blockchain. 
you know, tool, it's that your information is more secure or you can exchange value or, you know, exactly. get compensated or rewarded for uh, some action that you took. Yeah. Right? They, they will see new um, companies come to market with product offerings that are cool with new, you know, new features that they'd not seen before. Uh, and that's when they will, you know, and, and if it's said, you know, this is because of blockchain, then maybe the consumer will know it. But it, when it's mass adopted, they won't even, they won't even know it. Yeah. They don't even care. Yeah. Um, cool. So I think it seems like a good point to open it up for questions um, from the from the audience. Um, one thing I wanted to ask a favor of everybody real quick is um, we didn't take pictures yet. And um, I was wondering if if you all wouldn't mind taking a couple pictures while we keep going and uh, of everybody and uh, tweeting those uh, to at uh, TF blockchain. That's our our handle and, and definitely follow us on Twitter at TF blockchain. Um, but yeah, with that, I'd love to open up to questions. Anybody that has one, um, go ahead and shoot. And, and what we'll do since we're recording is, um, we'll just repeat the question into the mic so we can make sure we get it. Uh, I was in the impression after Aptis, uh, private, is Hedera the merger? Or are we talking about? No, no, no. So Swirls. So real quick. So the question is, is, yeah. is, is Hedera private or that was the impression? Yeah. So there's uh, yes, correct. The impression was Hashgraph is, is, is private. Um, Swirlds was the company that uh, first used Hashgraph, the algorithm. And yes, Swirlds used it for private networks only. And then in 2017, we spun out, Lehman and I spun out Hedera as a subsidiary. And it remained a wholly owned subsidiary until February of this year when we added our first tranche of council members. So Hedera is a corporation, an LLC, and it has this council of uh, global blue chip organizations, and they are members of the LLC. So it's not just a marketing agreement. They, they, we actually went through M&A with nearly all of these. In some cases, they had to get board level approval to, to become members. And when that happened, it became separate from Swirlds. Swirlds is a member, like like the other members, but it's on par with all the other members. And um, Hedera is focused on building a public network that uses the Hashgraph algorithm. In fact, we'll be launching that. It's it's in community tests now. The main net's been around since August of last year, and we'll be launching that uh, network in later this summer. Yeah, and it's all it's public, of course. Who else has a question? Uh, you mentioned the Hashgraph consensus algorithm. You released a white paper. Is the whole thing open source, like the actual implementation? It is not. So, so is the the question is is um, the you. Hedera Ash Hashgraph uh, consensus is that open source? Is uh, no. So the so the answer is no, uh, and let me explain why. So we are going to release the source code. So when we get to version one for Hedera we're gonna put everything on GitHub or something so that you can see every line of code. And, and I mean that, every line of code. It's not like some projects where certain parts of the code are held back and you can't actually review it. But it's not open source, it's what we'll call open review. The reason for this is that we view as one of the big obstacles to mainstream adoption of these public networks is the fact that they can fork or split into competing networks. And uh, in fact, a lot of people attribute a split in one of the Bitcoin forks last fall to sort of kicking off crypto winter. And, uh, the, but the, the technical problem is that if you're building an application on a public network and that, that public network then holds the state of your application, and then that public network hard forks or splits into a competing set of networks well, the client software in the field that has been connecting to the original network, it still connects to the same nodes and it's still making transactions, but the nodes now have split. And so some of those, you know, some of the nodes go with the old network, some go with the new. So when transactions happen, they're happening on two separate networks and the state of the application diverges. You have chaos as an application developer. And so you have to fundamentally solve that problem. And the way that we're solving that 
is through a combination of legal controls as well as technical controls. And I can go into the technical piece as well. But because of the approach that we've taken, and it's a defensive posture when it comes to the IP, to the patents, uh, we're, we're able to make a commitment to the market that the platform will never fork. So Hashgraph or Hedera, the Hedera network will never fork. And that brings stability to, to enterprise customers and mainstream markets that doesn't currently exist in pure open source projects. But we recognize that there's a need to let the world see every line of code. That's, you know, that's part of the trust is you can download it, you can run it, you can see it, the results of it, et cetera. And, uh, and, and there's no license required to use it. I mean, it's just like Ethereum in that sense. You have API calls and for each API call, you pay for it using our cryptocurrency HBAR. So it's just like one of the normal other open uh, source projects, except we're protecting the network by by keeping it from forking, bringing stability where there doesn't otherwise exist. In your, um, will your mainnet be released prior to your coin being released? Will your mainnet be released prior to your coin being? So, so the mainnet is operational today. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and there's a community test program going on. I think we have something like ten thousand users at this point. And, uh, and, and so there, I don't know, we have 500 dApps that have registered for test nets and they're building product. Uh, and, and so there's been test nets, there's been main net with community test program. And later this summer, we will come to a moment in time where community test is over. The, we consider the main net hardened and we're ready to open it up so that anybody that wants to can create an account anonymously and use the network. And at that point, the, we will release tokens into the, into the market. Yeah. Over there. Yeah, so uh, what are some of the <laughs> what are the some initial use cases uh, with the consensus uh, algorithm you have? So um, there there are a few in the white paper. I mean, an obvious one is a matching platform for, and that's the reason I kept using it earlier. Is you know what's interesting to me personally is that if you have a centralized exchange, you know, a matching platform that's running a, an exchange today that is centralized, and you want to turn it into a DEX. A distributed exchange, then you very easily could just do that by using this consensus service, and uh, it's almost trivial uh, to do that. So, so that's a great example. And then um, you choose your favorite hyperledger or application that's in the market today. You know, IBM has a couple of big ones that they've looked. You know, that that's gotten a lot of press. And what we make it possible to do for the Hyperledger community, and it's not unique to Hyperledger, it's just we're, we're partnered with IBM to, to explore this with Hyperledger, but anybody could do it. Could do it with Quorum or R3 could do it with, with Corda, uh, you know, EEA, et cetera. Um, but if you have a Hyperledger project running on Fabric and you don't want to have to get a collection of partners to stand up nodes or infrastructure and build your own private network, you no longer have to. You just, you put your Hyperledger instance on a computer, you call Hedera for message ordering, the transaction ordering service, that's what it's called inside of Fabric, uses Hedera's consensus service, and you get the trust of a, of a public network. So um, I wouldn't say that there's a favorite because it's it's so foundational, it's so low in the stack. It is the consensus ordering service, which is is it, it, with the the trust of the of the public network. It's foundational to every distributed consensus use case. Anybody else have a question? Interest into 
cash strapped to your feet. So a lot of the realignment infrastructure is the same as the process protocol. That's actually the normal I've never heard of them, honestly. Yeah. No, thank you. Well, look, I, 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 um, I don't have a DevOps background, so but my DevOps guys probably would know about it, uh, and and you know I'm sure that the engineering team maybe knows about it as as well. Um, yeah, so I, I so I can't really comment on on that one in particular. But the way I think about the consensus service, if you're a developer and you know Kafka, right? Sure. This is this is Kafka. Yeah. Right? But it's a global, public, trusted Kafka service. In fact, the messages when you submit a message to our consensus service, you give it a topic name. So you have messages with topics and. They're coming in from everywhere, from everybody. And the consensus service puts messages in consensus order by topic. And you just consume it. So it's 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 that, that layer of the stack that we're talking about. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, I'm a big fan of uh, Hashgraph. And also, I'd Thanks. like to say that um, staying closed source prevents a fork in terms of the, the Bitcoin example. It's probably the most respectable infrastructure Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> We've given it a lot of thought. It's been very controversial, as you can imagine. I mean, we're yeah. in a market where if you're not open source, then you are, uh, you're the evil empire or something, right? Yeah. Um, but what we did was try to start from first principles in understanding why is it that there hasn't been mainstream adoption? And we identified a whole set and... Uh, and then when designing and making business decisions about not just the tech, but the business of Hedera and how you mainstream it, then we, you know, we, we said, how do we solve this set of problems and, and stability? That's what I'm calling it categorically. Having a stable network that you don't have to worry about splitting uh, was one of, the, one of the requirements that we had to address. Thank you for listening to the TF Blockchain Podcast. We appreciate your support as we continue our mission to connect the broader business and technology community with blockchain innovators. For the most up-to-date information on all things TF Blockchain, please visit tfblock.io. Please like and subscribe to our podcast to be the first to hear from our amazing speakers changing the world through blockchain and crypto. If you're interested in partnering with the TF Blockchain Podcast, please email us at podcast at tfblock.io. Be on the lookout for TF Blockchain chapters coming to your city, and please reach out to us if interested in becoming a chapter director. We hope to see you soon at one of our live events. Thanks for listening, and remember, stay crypto, my friends. The views and opinions expressed at TF Blockchain events and podcasts are solely those of the ones presenting and do not necessarily reflect the position or opinion of TF Blockchain. TF Blockchain is not responsible for the opinions or content of its guests and does not endorse any particular company or currency. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be used to make investment decisions.